Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Obviously, you've got the superior product in terms of pit now. You've got the superior product in terms of beef. Everything seems to be going well. You're learning. You're progressing. The business has grown to something you didn't expect it to be when when you started it. And then this uh, this thing called Texas Monthly happens. Right. Was that a shock for you, or how 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 did you guys handle that? Because a lot of people aspire to be the number one, the number two, the number whatever. But you guys were going to be a catering business that turned into a restaurant that's now acclaimed. Yes, I knew what the top fifty was. Um, I think before we made the magazine, I probably have the three issues prior to that because. Like I said, I was in y'all's boat of going from barbecue place to barbecue place and just enjoyed it. It went from something I enjoyed eating to a habit and a hobby of doing it at home and going to other places and so on. So, so I would learn where I'm gonna travel to next by reading that. We never had any thought, I definitely didn't, didn't of even though I had read the magazine and seen it of Okay, I sell barbecue, maybe I'll make that someday. It was never a possibility. When the year that we made it, 2016? Yeah, 2016. 17. 17. Okay. Yeah. 2016, when they started looking at, at places and people started talking about it in the barbecue world, it still didn't make a, mean a whole lot. You know, I, I think Daniel Vaughn at some point posted that, hey, we're going to spend the next six months working on it or whatever. And I was aware of that, but it, I never really put two and two together. It was not a goal. And did My you see those people as your peers or somebody you aspired to or just you, you, know, know, you were doing your own thing? I already had their pictures on the wall, half of them. They were always kind of legends to me. Um, I had all the respect for Daniel. I still do today. I'm very appreciative of what Texas Monthly did for me. Don't get me wrong. You know, it, it, may, it changed our business. I can't tell you how many hundred percent. And Daniel Vaughn's always been good to us and always been honest with us. I don't agree with everything, but I don't with any, everybody's got their own opinion. And in this barbecue world, that's the, one of the biggest differences is it's all by opinion and, and uh, everybody's got a different taste for stuff, whether it's even if you don't like or do like barbecue. So when people kept asking about it, hey, you know Texas Monthly's gonna come out next year and this and that, I was like, okay. And um, even Mr. Lewis had mentioned to me a couple of times, he goes, you know, I've traveled to a lot of these places. Y'all are probably gonna do pretty well. And I'm like, you know what? I'd like to be on that list um, as, as I started hearing about more, only because if I'm not on that list, it's gonna make us look real bad. And so I hope to make the top 50 just to be part of that team, okay? And number didn't matter at all. And that was really all that went with it. We didn't change anything, do anything different. We didn't look for people coming through here. Really didn't care, okay? We just kept doing what we were doing. As the time got closer, a couple things have been released about us that were really nice articles or stories or things like that. I think the Dallas Morning News did something big on us. 
and we kept having things happen where crowds were getting bigger. And let's see, this is 2019. I think right before it came out, maybe within the year before it came out, I can't remember exactly when, is when we put this room in. Because it just, we just didn't have room for all the people that just stand outside to wait. And it kept getting larger and larger and people wanted a place to sit down. And at that time we had torn out the offices on the other side. And so we only had four picnic tables in there for everybody that was coming through. And so when we moved over here, um, things just kept coming up. Texas Monthly did an event here, a behind the pit thing, I think they called it back then. And other things like that would go on. And slowly people kept hearing more and more about it. And our crowd kept getting bigger and bigger. So we were used to uh, not making as much food as we make today. But if you're making 30 briskets or you're making 50 briskets, once you get to a certain point, uh, there's still a difference, but not a significant difference. Once you can start doing, uh, you know, 50 pounds of potato salad at one time and, and 40 crack cakes, making 50 crack cakes doesn't change a whole lot. It takes about the same amount of time on a smoker to cook 30 as it does 50 if you've got multiple smokers going. It so. does. And, it, and a lot more time trimming, though. A <laughs> lot more time trimming. Absolutely. That's, that's and, the bane of my existence is trimming brisket. And we were adding smokers almost every time you turned around. We almost always had another one on its way. And then, so when Texas Monthly did come out, it was a big sticker shock to me. I, the, the way I found out about it was the Dallas Morning News released an article very early in the morning through their online segment. Uh, uh, Sarah, who writes for them, had gotten wind of uh, the names coming out. And I think we were the only one from Dallas, if I'm not mistaken, that made the top 10. Correct. So that, that became a story for the you, Dallas You get the call from the fact checkers and you, you have an idea, maybe you're in the 50, but you don't any, have any idea where. Well, no. we had a photographer come in, uh, Wyatt, and he was shooting for something else too. I think he was shooting for the women in barbecue or whatever they call it. Uh, what is it, wives of barbecue or women of barbecue or something like that. He was shooting for that and something else he was here for. And he had been here once before for something. So I, I had seen him before. So yes, I knew at that point that maybe we, we got on the bottom of the list. I never expected anything near the top. I absolutely never even thought about it. And um, I had to read the story twice because when she wrote the story, she put um, Cadillac Barbecue makes number one, and then it said in Dallas. But when you first get to that, um, everything kind of sunk, you, you know, my heart and all that. It was like, oh my God, I'm in trouble. And right off the bat, because uh, it was not something I was ready for, or prepared for. And I was real glad when I read the whole thing and said, shoot, I'm not at number one. I wouldn't want that spot then, okay? I want to know what to do with it. And, and I really, um, I, mean, I don't want to be their spokesman, okay? Not at that time. I was still, and still am, learning everything on a daily basis. I'm very grateful they put us in there. And that's when the work started. So, you know, when I, I called, 
Daniel and thanked him. Um, and one of Daniel's comments was, enjoy the ride. And within a week, I understood what he meant. <laughs> and, and that's when the work st really started. And I've loved being in that spot. I've loved the publicity they gave us. Um, they've been very good to us. I like going to Texas Monthly in Austin. Um, but me being the, the guy that's always committed to doing my best and winning at whatever I do, and winning isn't where you go on that list, it's the success of what you're trying to do. I turned up everything. I started analyzing everything we did and said, you know what, people are gonna travel here from all over the state and all over the world, okay? I don't want to let anybody down. And we've always been on this mission to create this incredible barbecue experience. And there's a lot more to that mission statement, but, but that's the first part of it. And I didn't want to fail those people. And so I started watching things even tighter. And there's not an item on our menu that hasn't changed multiple times. Uh, thankfully, because of Texas Monthly. Texas Monthly put that, that fire that we had to have that said, don't screw it up. And I hope we have not. And to this day, we're still constantly trying to make sure that everybody that comes through that door, we make a, a, a positive, exciting memory for them. And it's a great experience. So uh, I owe Texas Monthly a whole lot for everything they've done. They've really, I don't think their intention was to change our business. Their intention was to be fair about putting out their new list. But in doing so, they're one of the best driving forces we've ever had. Their, their issue, their magazine that said, I, I'm going to own up to what they've done with me. Absolutely. Most people don't set out to make a list. If you're opening a restaurant to make a list, you might as well not open the doors because right. the odds of it happening are very, very slim and very low. But the, the commitment to wanting to, and as you said, tweak everything, change everything, try to, even if you think it's really good one day, if I change this, maybe it'll be great. And, and that's kind of, to me, what, what has set apart, you know, the best of the best is that constant drive to no matter how, where you sit on a list or, you know, in success of a business, I mean, you have people waiting outside your door before you open every day, you still have that drive to, to continue to improve. Absolutely. And I think if you take it even outside the barbecue world, you know, if you're a professional golfer and, and Tiger Woods wins the, the jacket again this year like he did, okay, I guarantee you, knowing what the little bit that I know about Tiger from reading about him, the next week or the next day, He's back out on the practice trying to improve even more. You, when you have that heart and passion and commitment to something like that, you just keep working at it more and more and more. You don't ever, um, when I was in the disaster business, same thing. We never sat back. We kept trying to figure out how to drive buildings even quicker, better, faster. You know, how to make smoke odors go away and whatever it was we were working on. Right? And you just keep, uh, I don't think in, in the business, my experience in the business world, you know, has been, since the 70s, has been, there is no sitting back. As soon as you do, that's when things start falling apart. And today, as fast as things move, you've got to be changing and so on. So, yeah, that inspires all that. Um, but 
hopefully that's in that passion to start with. And it's just, uh, it's the bigger reason because all of a sudden somebody puts you in front of the lights a little bit and now you've really got a reputation that they've created for you that you need to stand up behind and, and who wants to let anybody down? Expectations is something that we talk crazy. a lot about on the show it's because crazy. it's it's difficult. It's difficult even for us because we want you know we like going to the most fun is when you go to a place that you've never heard of and it's really good mm -hmm. because you have no expectations right. one way or the other. The most difficult thing is always to go to the places you know are great. Oh, I hope it's great again this time. And and it's well, it almost and it has to be great. It, That's yes. the problem. And it's almost not fair because you're holding them to such a high standard that anything less than great is a bad experience sure versus an unknown place where you might have an above average experience but from a pleasure perspective it's more pleasurable right um, and so it, so it's tough because once that bar is set for you uh, as you mentioned I mean you have to keep achieving it but then you keep trying to to tweak and improve to, to make sure that there's a reason why you were there in the first right. place we have a lot of people as you saw today how many people come in through this place so in three hours today, probably roughly 600 people came through here by our count. So a percentage of those people come in every week. Some never miss a Saturday. We have some people come Thursday and Friday. And so they have the same thing, you know. So, okay, they're used to eating our brisket. And let's say our brisket is whatever number you want to put it on a scale. And it stays there but the same person comes in week after week after week. If we don't do something to improve it, to them, it's not as exciting as it was the first time they taste it, the first time you go to visit a new place. So I think everybody has to always work to improve. Otherwise, especially now with the growth of the barbecue world. Okay. And, and it's challenging to do in barbecue because being consistent with a product is hard to do in barbecue. But then to be consistent with it, and as soon as you get that consistency down, let's change something and let's do something to make it better. Right. So then you have to get that consistency down with the new process all over again. So Absolutely. It's, it's a challenge. I mean, I can a testament to anyone, including you, that, that's been able to do that. Well, and if you, at some point you change employees. Sometimes you change equipment. Uh, some, you know, 44 farms just drop their production of what goes to the barbecue world. So now those people have to go to a different brand. Some of them do. Okay. So everything's always changing from that standpoint. So some of them are things are, that are thrown at you. Some of it is like people like me that say, okay, I'm going to change it because, you know, I don't want it as sweeter. I want it sweeter. I think it needs more garlic flavor. I think it needs to cook longer. I think it's overcooked. There's just so many variables to it. And it's all selective. Of course. And, it's, and it's, everything about barbecue is subjective. And that's why, I mean, whether you end up number one on a list or number whatever, it's, it's, these are people's opinions. And you're never going to please all of them. But you do the best you can. And, and, and what's funny to that is a lot of the guys that I know in the barbecue world, which isn't a lot of them, but you talk to them, we're not the ones in, in almost every case when I talk to them that are putting them in any kind of order. You know, it's like <clears throat> when I grew up, newspapers were the only place you could get a ranking on restaurants. And it was five star, four star, things like that. It wasn't one, two, three, four, five. And, you know, um, like I say, I'm very it's grateful. It's incredibly that tough to rank places like that because other than consistency and people that are changing their methods, right? You may go 
this month and you may go a month from now and, and to your point they may have changed suppliers they yeah. may have changed the processes so that that's a dynamic if you don't go often enough to see those changes um, mm. but and, and there's subjectivity as well I mean, even amongst texas barbecue where you have different styles within regions right. of texas barbecue and now you're seeing trends in texas barbecue where you're having different styles of joints like tex-mex and barbecue that's kind of fused together you're seeing that how do you compare valentina's to snows and and i mean there's just it's almost Absolutely. apples to oranges and so i mean you, you can put them in any order you want to but at and, the end of the day and i yeah. think a good uh, even a minor example was the pork steak here so um when you talked about it earlier you, you kind of hit the nail on the head we were trying to figure out you know you sauce your pork steak and it's got a glaze on it and that's just not something we've had elsewhere and so it's a whole different dynamic of the meat. Number one, we love pork steak. We've been on the record for that. We absolutely love it when it's done right. And, and you're doing it right, but then you're adding another element to it that we hadn't had before. And so that was great, but I can't compare that directly side by side to one cooked in a different style. And that's just, you know, one subcategory of one meat. Right. So how do you do that across an entire menu? You know, a place that does, they have a very small menu that, that only cooks a few proteins. They do it well versus a restaurant like yours where you're cooking a number of proteins um, and you're doing them well but you know if they don't do whole hog and you're doing whole hog how do you how do you rank somebody well, one over the and, other and that's why at least in our case when we're figuring out how to do it and what to do next to it or if we want to change something comparing it or ranking it never comes into the picture never comes into the picture i'm very grateful that texas monthly did what they did for us they made all the difference in the world to this business. Um, but we are not comparing it from a number standpoint. We're comparing it from uh, what we think. Um, when I first did pork steaks, you think it's sauce now? You should have tasted it when I first did it because I grew up, when you eat pork steaks in St. Louis and Kansas City and so on, they're cut real thin and they can be a little bit tough and everybody sauces the hell out of them. And we didn't want to do that here because I'd like the thicker slice, quite frankly, that Snows does. So that's how we got to the thicker one. And it just wasn't going to stand up against that. And we really, uh, it's funny you say it's, it, it's sauce because we mop it. And we don't consider it a sauce, but the difference is we wrap them individually to keep them fresh because of our time there. We don't have cooking going on while we're serving. Um, and so um, because of that, we wrap something like that to keep it nice and moist because that pork can dry out pretty quick. And so it may tend to build up like that, but we just never looked at it that way. We, we do it for that flavor of what's it going to taste like. And our customers taste it and go, oh, this is tremendous. Um, years ago, I went to a, a bar little barbecue thing on pigs in, at Mike Mills's place in Illinois. Um, 17th Street Barbecue. 17th yep. Street Barbecue, which one of the cooks at that event, well, Pat Martin was there. Sam Jones was there. It's my first time to meet Sam Jones. Uh, Daniel Vaughn just happened to go to the same one I did. It was the first time he went to that school too, which didn't change what I learned, but it was nice hanging out with him for a few days. Mike Mills obviously was cooking. John Lewis was cooking sausage. But that's when I got to meet Sam. And so when we first did pigs here, um, and we love the Sam Jones style. When I was at that school, that was the one that I stuck closest to because I just, what he did made sense. 
and I watched all the other guys, and, and Pat Martin's a super guy, and I had been to Pat's place on another, one of the uh, Barbecue Association bus rides, and uh, his stuff is great, but um, I just liked Sam's simplicity, and, and that attracted me to that. But when we first did Pig, and I would give people a sample as they went through the counter, they go, oh, this is good. Um, I'll have some brisket and some ribs. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's just good. And good's probably one of the worst words that people can use to me when they evaluate our food. Good is like sucks, in my opinion. Okay, if this is not incredible or outstanding or one of the best I've ever had or I love it, can I get some more, then I haven't achieved what I'm after. And so... Uh, it took me a while to tweak. I, even today, some people don't want all those tastes that are in it. Some don't like the sauce that's in that. Uh, we used to put cracklings in it. Now we put the cracklings on it because, first of all, in Dallas, they didn't even know what whole hog was. And then to try to that's teach them. That's true across all, almost every county in Texas. Well, in yeah. Texas, yes. Yeah. Then to try to teach them cracklings on top of that, unless it's somebody from the Carolinas, it's we have to educate them, which I don't mind doing. Um, pork steaks is the same way. If we're doing our best to educate people on pork steaks, I, I appreciate that. If we, um, Andrew always says, "Hey, let me give out samples of pork steak," and I'll cut them up one, and he'll go pass it out, and we'll be out of pork steak within 20 minutes because people one after another come up or like, "Let me have a half a pork steak," "Let me have a whole pork steak." If I don't do that, there's some days we won't sell hardly any pork steak, and and then at the end when we run out of stuff when it's a choice and they're like, well, what's pork steak? And you give them a taste of that. Most people that like pork are not gonna turn down pork steak after they've had a sample of our pork steak. Okay? It's, it's phenomenal, it's unique. It's, Thank it's, you. I mean, it's, it, like I said, it's, it's really hard to try to rank anybody or compare anybody because it's a different style right. of preparing that same meat. But that's also what we like is that, you know, we've, we've gotten brisket fatigue before because there's so many briskets that are similar so what we like is it's a nice thick cut, which is what we like. Um, it's done in the direct heat uh, on, on the BQ pit. And, uh, and, and yet it has that it kind of, I called it a glaze or a sauce, but yeah, sure. it's, it's a mop that's unusual. It's, it's different. Yeah, I mean, we're, we've, we're constantly on the lookout for, for something different, even if it's something we've had 50 times, if we can have it a different way. And we, not everyone is as open to something different. Some people just want the exact same pork right. steak they've had every place or the exact same brisket. but. But we, we enjoy those differences, and we think a lot of people do, too. And like, those, like those ribs and luling. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Very yeah. simple, direct Absolutely. Eat ribs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But, it's, but it's different from a lot of ribs that we're eating today in Central Texas and other yep. places. And whole hog is another avenue that we've gone down over the last year or so, um, where we did our trip to the Carolinas and Tennessee, and it really opened our eyes to what whole hog could be and the variations of whole hog. It's not just a pig you cook and chop up. You can pull it. You can cook it direct heat. You can. I mean, there's so many different things. You can use the skin, not use the skin. You're one of the first people in Texas that, that was cooking a whole hog on a regular basis. What, what inspired you to, was, it, was that, that trip to 17th Street? or? Um, no, it was before that because I had gone to Myron Mixon's place for one of his. And as, as I started doing barbecue as a daily process and a daily hobby, and as I came off the golf course a little bit and started cooking more barbecue, 
everything became a challenge to me of, okay, I've never made beef ribs. Let's learn how to make beef ribs. And um, some of the more and more barbecue hit the television through reality shows, competitions, things of that sort. Um, I don't even know that, that the barbecue snob, I even knew who he really was when I first got the itch to, to learn how to cook a hog. But it was just on my list of things to do, okay? It was on that bucket list of, you know what? Um, I've seen it a little bit. I've seen it in the competitions. I had been to Memphis in May as an attendee. And Misty and I went there, gosh, it's been probably at least 10 years. And it's like, man, I'm gonna learn how to cook a whole hog. And it's like, where in the world do you start? I knew a little bit about who Sam Jones was, but I had seen Myron more on all the stuff he did sure. in his mouth and so on. And it turns out Myron Mixon is a great guy. There's two, there's that television version and there's the real guy. And his son's a super kid too. Um, so we went, flew up there for a school. And he also tried to teach brisket, which was kind of, <coughs> kind of funny to watch and, and the worst tasting brisket I've ever had. But um, we weren't there for the brisket. And my, Myron doesn't brag that he knows how to cook brisket, even though he uses it in his competitions. And well, that, that's a whole different kind of brisket, too, the way it's cooked. It really is. Yeah. And he thought we were nuts because we turned it fat side up, and he <laughs> singled us out in his class, being the Texans. Anyway, um, so I had this, okay, I, I want to learn. And for me to learn is study others that are good. All right, just like you did when you were in school. You study others, that's what you did in school. And, and when, when I was doing this, trying to learn things just for my own use, there was no Google to go to about cooking a whole hog. So... There was no book called Whole Hog Barbecue by Sam, by Sam Jones, Jones and, and Daniel Vaughn. Daniel yes. Vaughn. <laughs> that did not exist. And those guys wrote a great book, okay? And it has more knowledge and more information. And they both, Sam speaks it, and Daniel writes it on a level that everybody can understand. And I've spent Sam wrote time, it to be like a thousand pages long. <laughs> I spent time around both of them, and they're both uh, great guys in their own ways and, and different. So to pair the two together uh, makes a, a, the perfect book. But it was just something I wanted to learn. And little by little, I, I did that just as something to accomplish. And I almost burnt up the first one. Uh, it did catch fire, and I have a neighbor that's a, a real jerk that, to our north here that uh, uh, just doesn't like what we do. And, and when I started to burn up the first one, I mean, he called the, the cops on us because of the smoke that was going in his building. And at that time, the cops and the fire department in this area already ate barbecue here. And, but they came out anyway, and they're like, dude, I don't have a problem with this the smell of barbecue, but your neighbor does. And I'm like, there's no smoke now. We have the fire out, but I, pig was on fire. <laughs> I had had to yank the fire boxes out from underneath the BQ um, because that grease caught fire. And that's when I learned about the, how dangerous it can be to cook a whole hog and how fast that um, pig can burn up on you, especially when you go to finish it. Um, but I'm still learning on the pig every single day. And, and we talked about this 
when the pig was finishing, you know, about how this pig came out better than the other, even getting it ready. And I don't know if you notice, but we don't chop our pig and we don't pull our pig, we do both. And it works better because we had a lot of people want it on sandwiches and don't. So I don't want it as fine as Sam's. He does a lot of sandwiches. That's kind of their style. But we also get people that just want a, a boat of it or two pounds of it. So, and uh, it tastes great. When we were at Myron's, we ate it item by item. We learned about beef, uh, uh, the cheek, or they call it uh, the jowl or whatever. Yeah. We learned about the belly, the bacon, um, so on and so on. I knew what the ribs were. I knew what the butt was or the shoulder. Um, I knew what a ham was. And, um, but his style was not to mix it together because in competition you put a little bit on your, on your deal. And so it was just a different style. And we liked that. But, you know, I have to figure out kind of what the people like here. If I did a, in Dallas by the different meats, the different sections, I think they call it the center in different ways. Depends on where you are in the country. In the Midlands, yeah. is, which is the belly. Yeah. yeah. People here, I, they wouldn't know. Yeah. I would have to do so much education. The way we do it now, they love because they understand, you know, five years ago, they didn't know what pulled pork was. That was a new thing to Dallas unless you were from somewhere besides Texas. In Texas, the ratio was a like beef you know, 100 to 1 pounds of, of beef versus pulled yes, pork sir. back then. Yeah, Absol huge. Absolutely. So um, I love doing the, the pig. I keep trying to figure out how to do more of them. It's fun and challenging because you get to do the whole thing. And you, you watch this animal come in and then you process it through so many different sections. All the other meats are great and there's nothing like a great slab of ribs. But there's just something unique to taking that whole animal. We've done the same thing with a lamb. And a couple other things. It's just a... Speaks to that primal thing. I, you know, I, there's something it's, about it. I think it's the well, same... And the challenge of yes. the different cuts of meat that cook at different rates. The creativity you get to do. I think the same thing applies a little bit to making sausage. Um, Daniel Vonner, somebody wrote about our sausage in the very early years that it was like Eckrick sausage. And that pissed me off. And I said, you know what? Um, I take that stuff for personally. There's, there's three things that we do. In business world, you hear all the time that it's not personal, it's business. Okay? And around here, one of my main goals in our mission is it is personal. Misty and I take everything that goes on here personally, okay? And we put our personal touch on it. Um, the second is innovation. I'm all about trying to be creative, whether it's having a feature, special item each week, or something different. I don't, I'm not trying to change good old traditional barbecue, okay? I'm not trying to take a brisket and figure out how to make a taco out of it. And, and there's people that do that, and they're great, and I'll eat them all day long. Um, but it's not my cup. It's not what drives me. M mine is more of, you know what, just make a just incredible brisket. <clears throat> and the third thing is you'll see that a lot of our stuff says that uh, um, branded the best. 
And it's not that Cadillac's the best, it's that if we're gonna put our brand on it that says it's Cadillac, we better have done our best. And that's what we teach all of our, my team here is look, when it comes out with our brand on it, it better be our best that we put out. Doesn't mean it's the best that's out there, but it's our best. And those are the three things we, we stick to. So um, yeah, and sausage, you get to make your own any way you want. So, you know, you jumped into sausage. We love sausage. Um, just tell us a little bit about your journey in sausage and, and starting it. And, you know, today you had three different sausages, including the, the beer, oh. bacon, and beef. So yeah, so, so Daniel puts that our sausage isn't very good. And I think it was Daniel, don't, don't quote me on that one. And Daniel, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. It was enough that I do take it personally that I said, okay, I'm gonna learn how to make my own. So years ago, I mean, way back in the early days when we first opened the public, I figured out how to make sausage. There's such great books out there on it and things of that sort. You know, in this, I, I probably have a hundred barbecue books at home. And in this line of, of work, there's so much knowledge out there. Sam Jones's brand new book. Um, there's so many, of, and they're coming out these days. I can't read them fast enough. I have a, an office full of books, and then there's a big stack of ones I haven't got to yet. I can't get caught up. What was, what was the book that got you on sausage? We've heard a lot about charcuterie, which is one of the ones. That, uh, that's, where, um, that, that's where it started. And what's the guy that wrote the Michael Ruhlman. Exactly, exactly. I can't ever remember his name, but... Yeah, I have three or four of his books. And you start with the basic ones, you know, and, and again, back then you had shows that were about barbecue were about cooking barbecue. They're not really anymore. And so even, um, God, just as far back as I can think of, you know, the Myron Mixons of the world and, and so on. I don't know if Myron made his own sausage or not, but those guys in that generation back then, if you went to a, a video on the shed, um, for instance, his sauce, and I don't like their sauce because it's too sweet for me, but you got to see the process. Today, it's about so many different things on the shows because of ratings and that, you don't get to see those processes as much. Of course, the books have come out since then. Every one of those people just about have written books. Myron's got, what, three books out? At least, yeah. So, um, there's just a wealth of knowledge. So yeah, it was, it was uh, interesting to learn our original sausage is named original number 17. And, and the reason it's named that is it took us 17 tries to get it to where we would let the public taste it. And that was our first sausage. So that's how many tweaks we did. And we still have tweaked it a bunch of times. Um, things just change. Your flavor taste change. Like you said, this is all subjective. So even for us, you know, maybe you like garlic this week, and six months from now you go, ah, it has a little too much garlic for me. I used to eat jalapenos with everything at home. And Misty's always, when she makes dinner, um, you know, she'll have certain things that, hey, I've got some jalapenos, you want that to go with that. And I'm like, no, I'll pass. And then other days I want them, you know? And so your taste just change and, and what you like. But uh, um, sausage, is cool because you can be subjective with it on your own. There is no, we, a lot of us have expectations on a brisket, right? Um, but when it comes to sausage, some people like it fatty, some people like it dry, 
some people like it beefy, some people like it porky, and everybody's used to something different. Some people are used to a brats, some people are used to a Texas hot link. There's so many different choices. You can there. be very creative, and, and to your point, being innovative, and, and it allows you some an outlet yes, to where you can take things way beyond what normal and we've seen some really wild sausages right. well, and especially you have multiple sausages on your menu yes and it gives you the opportunity like you said if you want something more beefy you can get this sausage if right. you want more spice you get that sausage so it does please the masses but it also gives you that avenue of creativity and sort of a blank canvas to create and we typically serve three a day the same three and then when we have a fourth one it's us doing one of our featured ones that we've either done before like lamb and fig are we're trying something new and we just come up with some idea and it's like okay let's put that in the sausage uh, like Tejas did with theirs and you know you just try different things and Bodacious does that oh yes uh, he's great yeah. at being creative that makes it fun it makes it fun for the folks like me doing it because you don't want to do the same thing all the time and it keeps our creativity that innovation that I talked about always on the go. And the nice thing is it's a fairly inexpensive thing to test out. If you make it in small batches, if something doesn't work out, you go back to the drawing board. And all of us typically have leftover beef and pork. So if you stay just to those items and you don't get into lamb and other kinds of stuff, it's always there. And of course, in our case, we're lucky because it's brisket and it's Wagyu. So just like our bologna, our bologna is 100% Wagyu beef bologna. Maybe the only one in the country. I've never heard anybody selling a 100%, first of all, it would make 100% beef, but to use Wagyu in a bologna, which everybody thinks is the junk, ours is as, as prime as you can get. And, and people realize that when they eat it, you know, it's one of the fastest selling out items for us. Um, and, and making bologna is very similar to making sausages fatter. We're going to come back up here for the bologna. Yeah, yes. We've not been here well, for and, a bologna and if day. You ever, well, and of course, the salami, if he ever does a salami again, that was some phenomenal salami that he did at Red Dirt. Yes, yeah, that, that was great, the pastrami. Pastrami, I mean, oh my God. That's, I mean, you guys, like you said, innovation is, is a big part of the Cadillac menu, and it's one of the things that makes it so exciting to come here. Whether you come here, you get to come here once a week, once a month, or once every year there's there's always going to be something you know the, your staples and your standards are going to be there but there's always going to be something exciting and new yeah. we try well todd thank you so much for giving us hey. this much of your time your barbecue speaks for itself it's phenomenal thank you there's a reason why that line is out the door um there's a reason why i think that line's going to continue to be out the door for quite a while now ryan we hope words? it catches on yes yeah <laughs> we hope somebody hears about you right um, no, it was it, it's phenomenal. Um, we ate so much this morning. I think I'm going to die, um, but at least I'll die happy, and that's what's important. Um, finished it off with a crack cake. I'm staring at it right now too. Um, and another thing that you have to get. I mean, there's there's just a huge menu here, and and it speaks volumes to what you're doing, not just the passion, but the effort that you put in. You're, you don't have a five item menu. Um, you've got a lot of things, and you're continuing to learn, as you said. We love the fact that you're doing whole hog sausage from scratch yes, that's the first saturday of every month unless otherwise noted exactly yeah. and um i don't know if we talked on the the pit right masters now. and punch that so. may expand ah, there you go better <laughs> so keep your eyes and ears out for that one folks um 
if you have a chance to get whole hog from Cadillac Barbecue, you definitely want to do that, and hopefully there are more opportunities to do that. Yes, the, the pitmaster and punch thing that you do with the whole hog Saturdays, it's a great opportunity if you know barbecue fans get to come out here and, and, and get to learn and ask questions. And it was, it was great for us to be a fly on the wall and just listen to – you know listen to what people really want to hear and really want to know about and um you, you were great about letting people know you know just the, whether it was a basic question of how do you trim this or what rub do you use on that or if someone's got a more in-depth question i mean don't don't ask for all the secrets but it's it's a great opportunity for barbecue fans and, and i don't believe there are any real secrets i mean this is getting good at this is practice and you guys know that you do your own thing and it helps to have your questions answered by somebody willing to answer them okay there's places to go find those and so on and you should do most of the work yourself that's how we learn and are still learning is trial and error trial and error trial and error nobody's got an easy answer and there's no easy way to this to really become uh, good at it the people that i've admired all these years they work their asses off okay John Lewis spends almost his entire life wrapped up in barbecue. Um, Wayne Miller spends almost his entire life. He's the spokesman for Texas, in my opinion. He's a world ambassador for it. Exactly, exactly. Much better word for it. You know, Aaron Franklin, look what he's done for this industry. It's a, a lot incredible. of people, even, you know, even potentially John Lewis wouldn't be where he is without Franklin setting, you know, just blowing everything up. Absolutely. Barbecue was here before Franklin, absolutely, but he, he brought a level of barbecue out it's, that, well, that just, just exploded. To close it out, bringing it back to golf. I, I've, I've likened Aaron Franklin in the past to Tiger Woods. Yes, barbecue existed right. long before Aaron Franklin ever touched a brisket, but what Franklin and his processes and his brisket and his whole menu did for barbecue is similar to what Tiger Woods did for golf. It brought it to a whole different audience. Tiger made shots that no one else you've ever seen make. And that's what made him famous. And yes, he won tournaments with it because he could do it just a little bit better. And you're right, Aaron Franklin did the same thing. All those great places in Lockhart and elsewhere all existed. They still exist. They're still great. But it, Aaron helped turn the wheels to expose more people to more things and to get everybody to think about it on a much higher level. One last golf question. How's Emmett Smith as a golfer? Emmett Smith's a great golfer. He's a, he's a lot of fun. And um, a buddy of mine, Renee Gonzalez, on my 50th birthday, invited me out to play golf. And I played with, with Renee all the time. He taught me a lot about golf. And he, and he was also one of Emmett's coaches. And so he said, hey, Emmett's gonna play with us. And it was my, one of my first times. I may have played with Emmett once before. It was either my first or second time to play with Emmett. And the whole time we talked barbecue. Emmett loves to cook barbecue. And I even took my smoker over to Emmett's house one year for an event he was gonna have and he knew what to do with it. One of those trailer ones I had. Um, but Emmett's a great golfer. Uh, I got to play in the uh, Pro-Am with him at the Phoenix oh, nice. tournament in, wow. uh, years ago, the waste management deal, uh, but he's, he's a fun guy to golf with. Thank you all for listening, following along, get to Cadillac Barbecue Thursdays and Fridays, 10.30 until sellout, which is usually around 2, two o'clock. o'clock. 
And uh, the first Saturday of every month, unless otherwise noted, get some whole hog, get some brisket, get some pork steak, get all the specials they have on the menu. Uh, thanks again, and we will talk with you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.